<clears throat> My sermon tonight is entitled, What a Difference a Day, or in the case of, case of the case a tree can make. 24 little hours in a day, or, well, 24 in a wee bit, because we've got an extra day this year as it's a leap year. It can mean one day going from single to married, or sadly it can mean going from married to widowed. Here in Luke chapter 18 and chapter 19, we see two men whose lives are transformed. The blind beggar, Bartimaeus, certainly in Mark, Bartimaeus is referred to, gets his sight. Everything changes. And Zacchaeus' attitude to money changes. And all our people are transformed and amazed. Bartimaeus, or the blind man, goes from blind to seeing, from beggar to being a follower of Jesus. Zacchaeus, from being greedy to being generous, from being a social outcast as a, a tax collector, to being a son of Abraham. Uh, maybe some of you know the song, What a Difference a Day Makes. It was used in an ad many years ago. And Dina Washington finishes the song with the line, and the difference is you. Bartimaeus and Sagas could say the same. In their case, the you, of course, is Jesus. He made the difference. All the difference in this world and, of course, the next. The difference between lost and being found, from being condemned and now being forgiven, from having life and from losing it. So, let me ask the, diff the question, how does Jesus make the difference? How does Jesus make the difference? We meet both these men in Jericho. We're down by Jericho, down by the, the Dead Sea. And uh, when I was on a trip to Israel many years ago, I had a chance to go on a hike down to Jericho. And we were in Jericho one day and saw some of the Old Testament sites and so on. But Jesus went down that road and drew near or told to Jericho and he passed through. We don't know if any other lives are changed by his visit, but these two certainly were. I wonder what made Bartimaeus call out to Jesus, and what made Zacchaeus run to seek a glimpse of Jesus? What factors or influences drew them to do those things? Well, obviously, we must recognize the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not mentioned. The Holy Spirit is always at work. We're told that the Holy Spirit is there among other things to convict and convince of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. The Holy Spirit is like the wind. You can't see it, but you can see its effect. And surely the Holy Spirit has been at work here and in various ways and through various means and factors. One thing sometimes the Holy Spirit does is he makes people aware of a sense of 
of a lack of satisfaction. Wasn't it uh, Rolling Stones saying, I can't get no satisfaction? But ultimately, outside of Jesus, you can't. Nothing ever satisfies fully or finally. There's always going to be something missing. The things we enjoy, we enjoy for our time, and they pass, and we want something else. There's something more. Or perhaps a sense of there's something missing. There's a piece of the jigsaw missing. And that piece, of course, is Jesus. The one who made us, and made us for himself. As the writer Ecclesiastes says, it's only in Jesus we find that missing piece and we find life and meaning and purpose and direction and hope. And life makes sense. For some people, well, it was different things. For the woman with issue of blood, she needed healing and no one of the doctors could do anything, but she saw Jesus. He surely, he had healed others. He could heal her. Jairus, his daughter was dying. He knew Jesus could heal no one else. And so they went to seek him, and their search was rewarded. This blind man may have been without sight, but he knew problems with his hearing. Isn't that amazing thing about people who have lost one sense or are disabled in some way, yet they're blessed in other ways? I remember on a trip, that trip to Israel, there was a fellow from New York among us. Most of the folk there were American. Uh, he was normally, I think, Roman Catholic originally, but he was simply listening to the radio when he heard a gospel program and was eventually converted. But this fellow had some vision, but poor vision. He brought a stick with him in America. He had a dog he used. In fact, he told me once he went across the coast to the, to the West Coast uh, to Los Angeles or somewhere, San Francisco maybe it was, and to some a difficult area, a drug area, and preach the gospel. And because he was blind, they didn't harm him. But uh, he had very good hearing, and he also could, this fella, he had a good sense of where people were at, and if they were happy or sad, just he was able to discern things. He had that gift. But this man... He was able to discern that Jesus was, he had heard of Jesus, no doubt, from others. Jesus had been doing miracles and word passed around, and he heard Jesus was passing by. And he wanted to seek Jesus. He wanted to find him, and of course, he seems to know his Bible, perhaps, no doubt, taught by his parents. We assume that. Christian parents are a great blessing. Parents who pass on the Word of God to us are a, an example to us. When he heard about Jesus and the things he was doing, he must have begun to put two and two together again with the help of the Holy Spirit. He calls him Son of David. And again, that's reference used to the Messiah. But knowing what Jesus had been doing and hearing his passing by, suddenly all seems to click. And of course, he shouts out, Son of David, have mercy on me. 
But those around said, keep quiet, shut up, please. Don't annoy us. But is he put off? No. You know, if you're seeking Jesus, others will try to put you off. Sometimes maybe we as Christians put people off. The lives we live or the lives we don't live. But he would not be put off. Again, surely there's the Holy Spirit working and Jesus drawing him even as he passes through. And so persistence is rewarded. What do you want, says Jesus? I want sight. Jesus gives him the physical sight, but surely already he's begun to grasp or have his spiritual sight. And in fact, we read he then immediately follows Jesus. Not only has he got his physical sight, but now he's following Jesus. He's a newborn child in Christ. There's a new way of life opened up to him in so many ways. I mean, beforehand he was a beggar. He relied upon others to give him. He couldn't work. There's no social welfare system, but now he can work for himself, and yet he's going to follow Jesus. Ultimately, we're all beggars. Everything we have comes from God. Our physical blessings, spiritual, all of God. We need to recognize that. Oh, we may say we work, we apply ourselves, yes, but God's given you the opportunity, the health. He'll take it from you in a second. And so this blind man's life has changed dramatically. What about then Zacchaeus? What led him to be so curious about wanting to see Jesus? Let's face it, if we told many people Jesus was passing by, I don't think they'd be that interested. Many of those wouldn't be know at school or work. Would they really want to see? Maybe Zacchaeus was curious because he knew another tax collector who it seemed had started following this Jesus. It was all the talk in the inland revenue office, run, of course, by the Romans. Maybe he was thinking about Matthew. Because Matthew was a tax collector who went to follow Jesus. Why would he do that? Leave a good job and the opportunities and the money he could make to follow Jesus. Maybe it was news of Bartimaeus. It just traveled through, and oh, well, we must go along and see what's going on here. Who knows? God works in mysterious ways. I remember when I was assistant in Kells. It's a good while ago now. But we had a sad incident where a young man started coming to church, then stopped, and sadly then he took his own life. We went to see the parents. They weren't churchgoers. But the father started coming to church, and he was converted. Sadly, his wife left him, and he had to relocate to Balamina, and Sharon's grandfather would have picked him up and brought him in, and he was faithful until he himself took ill and died. But God works in that man's life. God works in mysterious ways, but work he does. 
Isn't that wonderful? Here's the case. Climbing up a tree. Seems a foolish thing to do. And certainly, if you're an upstanding citizen, you didn't do that. You didn't run and you didn't climb up trees. Youngsters did that. But it's a case. Didn't care what others thought. They had to see Jesus. God's spirit and work. You know, we may think, what can we do to show others to Christ? And often we ourselves can't do personally anything, and yet God's willing to use us. And God's often working at people long before we're involved. But God does work in a whole host of different ways. Draw people to Himself and to use us, maybe in very small ways, or maybe in bigger ways. Who knows who was working in the background of Bartimaeus or the blind man and Zacchaeus. But God was at work. And these lives were changed. Then let me ask another question. What evidence is there of a real change? Does Jesus really make a difference? You know, many people believe in the existence of Jesus. But it makes no real or apparent difference to their everyday life. And so we, 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 we may rightly question, are they really Christians? Does Jesus make a real difference to my life? If Jesus didn't exist today, would my life change? And if not, we need to ask, are we really Christians? Here with these two men, we see the real evidence of a change. For Bartimaeus, he becomes a disciple. He follows Jesus. That's all we're told, but he follows Jesus. Immediately, he received the sight, and he followed him, glorifying God. And the people saw, and they rejoiced. They praised God. So it was the case. Again, we have immediate evidence of the change. First of all, when Jesus says, come down to the case, I'm going to go to your house, he obeys. Isn't that what being a Christian is? We obey Jesus, we recognize his voice, and we obey him. Sheep obey their master, they follow the shepherd. So Caius responds by coming down and obeying. It was a command. I'm coming to your house, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus obeyed. Some of us might hesitate, well, maybe the house is not tidy. Oh, I don't have any trebex in the house. Jesus isn't concerned what state the house is in. Or what state our lives are in. He's willing to come where we are, whatever we are, to change us. We don't have to get to a certain state or be here certainly before Jesus will respond and save you. He takes us as we are, where we are. That's the good news. But some weren't happy about it. Look at the crowds. He is gone to be the guest of a man who's a sinner. They didn't like it. Did Jesus care? No. Should we? As believers, 
and trying to live our lives and reach out to others, care what others think. It's what God thinks. It's what Jesus would do. He's willing to identify with a sinner, with a social outcast. But a social outcast, a sinner who needed to be found and saved. I'm sure we can think of people like that in our place of work, in our community, in our schools. They need Jesus. Because we needed Jesus. What will we do to reach them? What is God maybe asking us to do? You see, Zacchaeus had abused his position. Working for the Romans, that was looked down upon, a traitor. But also taking too much money from the people. So we'd understand their accusations, their looks. And Jesus knew what he was like, what Zacchaeus was like. He knows what I'm like and what you're like. We're sinners as well. Doesn't matter how great the sin or how small the sin, we need saved. And Jesus knew that, and Jesus went and drew the case to himself. In fact, it seems the work is already done. Because we're not we don't read of Jesus saying anything else initially. Uh and Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I defrauded anyone of anything, I will restore it fourfold. Zacchaeus is convicted in the sight or in the presence of Jesus that he has done wrong. That he has cheated people out of money. He needs to use his money not just for himself but for others. And immediately he makes that pledge to give half to others and restore fulfilled what he shouldn't have taken from others. Don't know if you've heard of W.P. Nicholson. W.P. Nicholson was a, a great preacher, oh, about 100 years ago in the 20s, 1920s that is, not the 2020s. And he preached in lots of places, quite rough and ready, and said things to racks. But among others, he preached to the shipyard workers in Belfast, Harland and Wolfe. And many were converted in those days. And the evidence of their conversion is this. Many of them over the years have stolen lots of tools from their employer. And having been converted and convicted of that, they took the tools back. It was the right thing to do. Zacchaeus knew the right thing to do. It's restored four times. It's an exodus. He knew the right thing to do, and they knew. In fact, we're told that Harlan Wolf had to build a new shed to store all the tools that were brought back. And there was the evidence of lives changed. And Jesus affirms his life has changed. What does Jesus say? Today, salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Like Zacchaeus, like the blind man, like you and like me. I remember when I was a lot younger in our church hall in Portland, Old, there was a poster up on one of the notice boards. 
and it was a courtroom. And it said this, if you were accused of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? If you were accused of being a Christian, a follower of Jesus, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Would there? You know, sometimes I think as a postman and working in the post depot and among the other fellas and some of the ladies there, do they see I'm a Christian? Am I different? I don't know whether I make enough of a difference sometimes. Now, I know one way I'm different is in the language. Of course, that doesn't mean to say you're a Christian. Now and again, I've had a chance to say a wee thing here and a wee thing there, but I pray that in some way, someone will see there's a difference. And nobody will come to say a thing here, a word there, or do something. It will show that I'm a follower of Jesus and that Jesus can make a difference to their lives. What a difference a day can make. I pray that God will use us to make a difference each day. As we go about our lives, go about our studies, go about our homes. That God will use us and work by His Spirit. And that God might seek and save the lost. Maybe that's someone here tonight. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that Jesus really does make a difference when He comes to work in somebody's life and draw them to Himself and to reign. And Father, you work in so many different ways and by many different means, but you work marvelously. Finally, fully. What you begin in a person's life, you will complete. That our salvation isn't dependent upon what we do per se, but what you do. But the evidence of what you've done will be seen in our lives. Lord, help us to grow day by day. Forgive us for our sins and failures. Help us confess them. Help us to press on and we ask that, Father, we might be different. Not odd or funny, but more and more our lives might be conformed to the image of Jesus. We might show the joy of following Jesus in our lives. We might show others that in times of anxiety and trouble, we have a, a God to turn to, to cast our burdens upon as we were singing. We have a great hope. Death is not the end, but indeed for the believer, the entry to eternal life and joy everlasting in your right hand. So I encourage us and be with us this week and help us make a difference. And to you be the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.